Are you concerned how to handle the holidays as a divorcing parent? The holidays are stressful, even for the best-intentioned parents. Listen to today's episode as Adina Labor talks with Pamela Elaine Nichols and Neil Weigenbach, two divorced parents who want to pay it forward, a divorced mom and dad who bounced back and made it work. This episode will help you manage powerful emotions that arise during the holidays. Even if your family has had time to process the divorce, the first holiday season is likely to be the most difficult as you grieve old traditions and memories. So use this episode to discover how to cope in a healthy way. This is Sharon Pastore, and you're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Let's move forward. You're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Join us as we help you navigate your divorce without going broke, relationships in ruin, or ending up in court. You'll get into financial and emotional shape, make sense of the legal process, get strong enough to negotiate for yourself, be a mindful parent, stay amicable with your spouse so you can get a fresh start. Please welcome your host for this episode, Adina Laver, founder of Courage to be Curious and formerly Divorce Essentials. We're really excited that you have joined us today for our call on making the holidays happier. This is our second year of running this holiday type of call right before Thanksgiving because we know that what's on people's minds is really thinking about how, you know, what does this mean if we're in transition in some way, which might be, mean either considering the divorce process, separated in some way, um, navigating through it, or just on the other side of divorce and the holiday time just raises its own set of questions and wonderings and sometimes challenges. So we really wanted to provide some support around that today. And so we're really looking forward to having a great dialogue with our guests to help us prepare for that. And we have with us today two really fabulous and very generous guests, which we're so excited to bring to you. And the first is um, Pamela Elaine Nichols. She is the mother of four children who, like many mothers, puts the wants and needs of has put the wants and needs of others first and ignored her own for a long time. As a result, her marriage came to a screeching halt and determined to bounce back strong from her divorce. She created a four-part resilient beauty practice for health and happiness, which she now shares with other mothers. She also just released, and she's absolutely going to share with us about it, her new book, Muddy High Heels. You have to love that title. 14 Lessons Learned from My Breakdown, Breakup, and Breakthrough. She writes about how to overcome barriers that hold mothers back from their physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial beauty. She's the president of her business, Destined for Greatness Enterprises, and she's appeared on several radio and new new spots to promote health and well-being for women, including the Dr. Oz Show, where she shared her story of building her business as a healthy way to bounce back from her divorce. And so, Pamela, I'm just going to say a quick hello to you here. Say hi. Hello. Thank you for allowing me to be on this call. I'm really excited. Great. Thanks. And our second guest today is Neil Weinbach, who is um, an IT sales professional, resides in Houston, although today he tells us that he is in snowy Colorado. He was divorced in 2010 and is a father of two, a daughter who's six and a son who is seven. And during his transition from married life to a single dad life, he found comfort in hearing from others who were going through the same experience. And this is his opportunity to really pay it forward and hopes that it will be able 
to help others who, you know, are entering this, what can be a challenging time of year. So hi, Neil, and welcome on to the call. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And we are really excited to talk with the two of you today about your experiences and what you have to share here as we're preparing for, you know, both Thanksgiving and, you know, the December holidays, which can be different for whatever those holidays are for period. But um, in most traditions, there is some kind of winter solstice holiday that is coming up soon. So whatever your tradition is, um, we hope that you'll find the conversation meaningful and applicable to what you're experiencing. So... Um, I want to just jump right in and really start by asking um, an opening question for both of you to respond to, and I'll, I'll give you the invitation to talk here. But, you know, holidays, as if thinking about divorce or being separated or going through one is not emotional enough, holidays are a whole other emotional experience. They tend to bring the challenges of other family members and just a time of year that has a lot of expectations around it and things like that. So, you know, both of you are through your first holiday season, and so I wanted to ask if you could share with us a little bit about what it felt like for you the first time you navigated your holiday season. So, Pamela, would you start us off? Sure. Last year was my first going through the holiday season as a divorced mother, a divorced woman. It was, I thought it would be simple which meant that the my the kid's dad would have the children on Thanksgiving and then I naturally would have the kids on Christmas. It really didn't turn out that way. It started out as it, it culminated into a, a fight and a misunderstanding, a battle over who would get the kids. I decided to do something that I guess was bold or crazy on my part. Uh, I still haven't decided. I decided to ask the children, what would be your ideal Christmas since the father and I were fighting over it? Of course, I didn't tell the children that their father, and I, their father and I were fighting over Christmas Day, but I did ask them, what would be your ideal? Because I wanted to refocus the energy away from he and me and to what the kids needed best, because after all, as this title of this great radio show is today, making the holidays happier, I wanted them to be happy and have good memories. I wasn't ready for their answer. I asked them on the way to back home. We were driving. I said, what would be your ideal Christmas this year? And they all uniformly said, well, Mom, we'd like to spend Christmas at Dad's house. <laughs> and, and you can come over, Mommy, for breakfast and open gifts with us. While it was important for me to ask that question, what, they, what would be ideal for them, it was very hard for me to accept that answer. So I paused while we were driving. I didn't say very much, although I said, that sounds interesting. Tell me more and let them talk through what they wanted. I did go home and I bawled my eyes out because what I wanted was for them to be with me for Christmas at my new house. But what they wanted, their ideal was to be at their dad's. I had to get myself together and recognize that Christmas and these holidays were really were about the memories that I wanted my children to have when they're my age with their own children. So after I got myself together emotionally, I said, this sounds like a great idea. I 
talked to their father. He was fine with it. Christmas morning, I showed up early, happy, cheery. We opened gifts. We had breakfast together. And, and it turned out that I stayed there till about 3 or 4 o'clock that afternoon. And then the children then, you know, came with me that evening for our time together. That was tough, but it turned out to be a beautiful day with my kids, and they have great memories as a result. Wow. So I just want to, before I even go to Neil, I just have to ask you a question because I, I sort of get this a lot too, is when you showed up that morning all cheery and happy, were you like, I'm going to fake it till I make it? Or <laughs> were you feeling cheery and happy? And, you know, I, there had to be all kinds of levels of still that sadness about what it was and things. But so were you faking it or were you really in that? Or did it change over the time you were at the house? I appreciate that question because it is a valid one. I was legitimately, authentically happy. And the only way that I could get there to that place of being happy and open-hearted, being at the marital home once upon a time, was that I did go through the pain of my my hope, my plan ending what I had wanted for my kids. I cried, and I cried for maybe a couple of days, and I talked it through with friends, and I processed it until I came to the realization that became internal within me, the realization that this is going to be a wonderful day for my children because this is what they planned. This is what they came up with. I can get with that, and it can become now my plan too. So the plan that they came up after I processed the pain of it became my plan, and when I walked in the house, I was glad to see their father. I brought him a gift. (laughs) I was glad to see my kids. We opened gifts, we sang songs, I took pictures, I embraced the moment, and that didn't come easily, but it did come, and I think I'm all the better as a result of that, and so are they. Wow. So it really was like you took on this monumental task of I'm going to do the work that it takes because I've decided to really put my kids' needs and wants at the forefront, and doing that means I might have to do some tough work but I'm willing to do that because I have a really big end game goal here for about my kids. I don't think that it's possible to really um, grow and move beyond difficulty and pain without making the emotional investment upfront. And that emotional investment is I'm going to take this on and I'm going to be the better for it. And here's how I'm going to do it. And that was an investment I made and it paid off. I, I think that the way to grow is to take on the most difficult of tasks and to do the the hard work up front. It pays off at the end. And I think I'm living in the residual benefit of that. Great. So, Neil, I'm going to turn to you now. And, you know, I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about what it was like for you in your first holiday season. And, you know, what did you experience there? Well, thank you. Um, Pam, that was a um, a great kind of story you led us through. That was really helpful. Um, so about myself, so we um, we split up in 2009, and then we're officially divorced in 2010 um, here in the state of Texas. And so I've gone through, I guess, four full, you know, Christmas and holiday seasons since then. Um, and this coming up one will be my fifth. Um, the way that we split up the holidays, I'll explain a little bit because I don't know if it's unique to Texas, but I know we have people calling in from all over the country. 
Um, the way we do it here in Texas is we alternate odd and even years over who has the kids on Thanksgiving and then who has them on, tech, on Christmas. Um, so this year, I won't have them on Thanksgiving. So when they start their Thanksgiving break, they're with mom until they come back to school. And then when they start their Christmas break, they will be with me then until um, it's about noon on the 28th. And then we have a switch over and then mom will have them until they go back to school um, to begin their spring you know, semester or school year. So it's, it's, we've really just stuck to that and it's been good. Um, the reason that it's been so good is knowing that you're going to have a block of time like that, it allows us to plan. And I think the, the, you know, inexperience I had with, because as you know, a single parent, you're in charge of the kids for the whole holiday season. And, you know, there's grandparents, there's family members that can help, but really, you know, it's, you have to take ownership of that. And I think, Maybe a mistake I made the first year in 2010 is just kind of let things happen. You know, um, didn't really plan out exactly like what we're going to do. You know, let that mom and the, you know, the, like grandma kind of take over and kind of run things. And it, it was fine, but I didn't get a sense of, you know, this was something really special. It was almost a sense of, okay, I'm happy that it's good for the kids, but I'm also just like to get through this kind of feeling. And I think a lot of parents, especially the first time, you know, the first year that they're, they find themselves divorced and separated, they might find that feeling, you know, of I'm not enjoying these in here as much as my kids are. Um, this is a completely different experience where I'm, you know, you might be questioning yourself. You might be, you know, not feeling as successful in life as you maybe felt a few years before when you were married. And I think those are very natural feelings. Um, I certainly have those too. Um, the change that I made the next year, and I've been doing this every year, is really um, try to put in place some traditions. Um, and these could be as simple as, you know, we're going to go through go Christmas caroling. We're going to go to this neighborhood and look at Christmas lights and eat a certain dinner somewhere. Um, so one thing we do is we try to go to the Nutcracker Ballet, and the kids just loved it, and it just made it a fun event to plan around. Um, and the nice thing is, is, is on something like that is I don't have to plan it on, it doesn't have to be on a certain day. Um, that kind of thing runs from, I think they start around before Thanksgiving and they run up through Christmas. So I can, you know, pick a weekend in December and do it. Um, and that, that's a fun thing to do. And I think that brings a nice sense of, okay, it's the holiday season. We're in the holiday mode. We're wearing our red sweaters and our, we're dressed nice and, you know, let's go enjoy it. Um, so that's one of the things that I've been doing that's been very helpful. So, and, it's, and that, that tradition is sort of morphed, you know, I mean, this year we're going on a, we're going on a vacation where it's just me and the kids. Um, we're going to see some of their family members, but you know, it's a, it's something that we can kind of point to and put on the calendar and that's going to be our Christmas. So, Neil, that's great, and I want to ask you about something, and then I'm going to come back and ask Pamela about it, too, because I think both you alluded to it here, and I know Pam and I talked about it before, was 
this idea of um, what happens on what day, you know, and when Pam first asked, Pamela first asked her kids, you know, where do you want to be on Christmas Day, there was a sense of real importance about that particular day. So in your case, you know, it sounds like the state pretty much dictates here's how it goes. So you either get it or you don't get it. But, you know, what have you done with this idea of, well, Thanksgiving is a particular day and Christmas is a particular day, but I might not have that day with my kids. So how have you worked with not being able to always be connected on that particular day? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And and I would say, yes, there's the, the what the state mandates through, you know, here we call it the um, – custodial order, you know, I call it the parenting plan. Um, that's kind of the rules you have to follow, or that's if you can't get along or if you can't decide what you determine to follow. Or maybe you get along and you decide to follow them anyway, which is really in our case. Um, but mom and dad always have a choice to do whatever they want, you know, and so that's, that's um, another option. Um, we just haven't, I think because her parents live in another city, so her parents live in Austin, and my parents live just north of Houston, so those they're about three hours away, um, and we naturally just kind of go to our parents' house for Christmas and whatnot. It hasn't worked itself out to where the kid, me and you know, mom and the kids are all in the same city, to where we could do something like Christmas Eve here and then you know, Christmas morning there and then go on. Um, so in terms of how to handle that certain day, um, FaceTime is a great thing. So, you know, I think of the days when I'm not with the kids is one I could probably speak to first. So like um, this year on Thanksgiving, I won't be with the kids, but you know, what I will do is um, uh, set up a time to call them, you know, and just kind of text mom and make sure you know, it's a good time. The kids aren't too, you know, tired or they're not too uh, uh, interested in doing something else. Cause that's also a very hard time to talk to the kids, but um, FaceTime is great. Um, and then actually one tidbit that I just kind of touched on is, um, if your kids are small and you, you're calling to talk to them, it might mean the world that you sit down and talk to them and ask about what they opened for Christmas and whatnot. But if they just got a new present, they're really interested in playing with that present. It doesn't mean any, you know, doesn't mean anything towards you, but they might not want to talk to mom or dad at that time. They want to play with the present, you know? And so it's also important to try to find the best time for that call. You know, and the other parent I think is really, you know, going to be good about working, you know, with you on that. Right. That's a great point to really be thinking about because, you know, you might be, if you're not the parent who's with the children at the time, you might be feeling really anxious. I want to talk to them, whatever. And then it can create pressure because the kids just may not be in the place where that's the right thing. And so, again, that work for us as parents of being really aware of what the experience of our children is and what do we do in order to make this um, as positive as possible for everybody and to not take it personally if, as you said, they're playing with the gift rather than wanting to talk on the phone about uh, to us. So it's a great point. Yeah, and it's, and it's also when I'm the parent that has the children during, you know, that day and I know that mom's going to be calling, you know, I want to be very, you know, respectful of her time and I want to make sure that, you know, if she wants to sit on the phone with them for an hour over FaceTime, you know, while they walk around the house and show her the gifts, perfect you know because that's if my kids are enjoying it that's great but also what i want to do is make sure that the kids know that, you know hey you know mom's going to be calling and you know want to make sure you're talking to her and they get that you know but it's good to kind of have that conversation with them ahead of time so that they know that they want to spend some time doing that to make sure it's special for her as well 
That's great. It sounds like you're really doing some nice preparation with the kids, and it's a great tip to pass on as to how do we make this positive. And certainly when one parent does it, you know, and it can be reciprocated back, then it really benefits everybody, the kids and each partner. So, Pamela, let me turn back to you a little bit and ask you, you know, you talked a little bit about that day being important and how you dealt with it, but when you're not with your kids on a particular day or how do you, can the days move? Can we do something else with the, the, the day of it or the experience of Thanksgiving or something like that so it may not be tied to that Thursday? What, how do you handle that? Well, I'll start with what happened last year and then offer three points. Last year, Thanksgiving, I was not with my children. I, and that's because they were with their father that entire day before the day and the day after. Knowing that, I booked a trip to my hometown, Los Angeles, got on that plane, flew home, hung out with mom, my dads, my best friends, had a ball. I talked to my kids on that day, certainly on Thanksgiving, and talked a little bit about their day and the fun that they were having at their cousin's house, which is their dad's sister's house. Uh, so that was intentional, That, which brings me to point number one. you got to make a plan. If you know you're not going to be with your kids on that day, then make a plan for what you are going to do and what you're going to do that will be point two, fun for you. That means that while you have a plan and to you know you're not going to be with your kids, then do something that you will totally enjoy. I enjoyed going back home. I was able to you know scrape up the funds to do that, go back home and hang out in my hometown. And then the third was for me to remember and for everyone to remember that it's just a day. I know that may sound hard and harsh, but it's just a day, and there are other days that proceed and follow that very special day. So I had to take the charge out of it. It's got to be Thanksgiving. It's got to be Christmas. Take the charge out of that into the times that I am with my children, I want them to be fabulous. And if it can be a little bit before Thanksgiving, that's great. If it can be after Thanksgiving, that's great too. But if it cannot be that actual day, I can still have a good time. In fact, if you're not going to be with your kids, it might be a great time to practice what I call selfish generosity. Just do everything that brings you total and complete pleasure because you don't have to account to anybody. So those are my three points. Make a plan, make it fun, and remember it's just today and other days preceded and follow it where you can have fun. I love that. I love this. Selfless generosity. I love that term for it. So I want to use selfish generosity. Oh, selfish, selfish or selfless? Yeah, self- selfish. Selfish, selfish generosity. Okay, yeah, selfish yeah, generosity. Yeah. Great. So let's take that selfish generosity and move into this and, and go a little deeper into that with both of you in terms of your personal needs um, and, you know, balancing that with the needs of your kids. And you just kind of gave us three great tips around the day. Um, you know, and I know, Neil, when we talked before, you shared some things too, like, how do I take care of me in this and how do I balance my mics with my kids' needs? So it's kind of a complex thing, you know, to figure that all out at holiday time. So, you know, what else is helps you to care for yourself and um, really balance what you need in this whole process while you're trying to put your kids first? So, Neil, let me come back to you on that. What do you do? You know, it's, it's a good question because that 
that is a very interesting dynamic that, that comes up in the holidays. And um, that, I think the first, maybe the second year we were going through this, I found myself um, where it was, it was Christmas time. I didn't have the kids. I was going to get them on the 28th. And I don't think I prepared for it as good as I could have. And I definitely changed it the next year. But, um, you know, I went up and spent some Christmas time with mom and dad and went and saw a movie, and that was great. Um, I don't know if I had planned out all that free time I'd had, if I had planned out things to do, which I think is very important. Um, you know, if you're in a split custody situation, you know, over that holiday season, there are times where you won't have the kids. And, you know, like we're all experiencing, there are times on Christmas you won't have the kids. And you have to really develop a plan. You know, and sometimes it may not be um, that hanging out with mom and dad by yourself is the best thing for you, know, you as an individual. Um, you know, it's, and I'll share this. I felt, you know, <laughs> one of the times I actually felt worst about my divorce was when I was hanging out with my sister, you know, a few years older than me. We're about two and a half years apart. And my parents, and I'm thinking, my kids aren't here. I'm divorced. And we're like resorting to this dynamic back when I was a teenager. And I'm just thinking, life is not supposed to be like this. <laughs> this is just creating <laughs> stress within myself. And really, I, you know, I had to tell myself, hey, it's okay if, you know, in a few days, I'm going to have the kids. We're going to come up and celebrate Christmas. But, you know, if it's better for me to make sure I take a, a vacation down to the beach or I go skiing or I go hang out with friends and do Christmas with them, and that makes me feel better about, you know, where I am in my life, that's probably the best thing to do. You know, again, I'm not taking away time of my children, their grandparents, which is very important over the holidays. Um, and, yeah, there's a little bit of a sacrifice there, you know, of got to tell the parents no. But sometimes that, if it's the best thing for you, then that really is the best thing in the long term. Yeah, I mean, and what you're describing is what many people are going to encounter the first time is, you know, sometimes this question of where should I be and, okay, maybe this time I go with the family, so the family go back to the family home, or maybe this time the four of us spend, or five of us, however large the family is, the three of us, spend time together. But then the first year is sort of a chance to see how is this going to feel? We don't always know, like you said, the first year around how we're going to feel about something, and we can get very tied up in am I making the right choice and things like that. And as you've just described, well, you make a choice the first year. It might be highly conscious. It might not be so conscious. But either way, it's going to give us information about, well, that worked or that didn't work so well. So next year, I'm going to do something again without going into beating ourselves up too much about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's one other thing that Pam touched on that I kind of wanted to reiterate, and that is the holidays, you know, this is a season. It's not kind of based on, what, three days or four days if you count, you know, Halloween through New Year's. But it doesn't really have to be about those days. Because I can tell you, if kids are, well, I don't know, 10 years old and under, they're probably not really closely monitoring the days like, you know, we do. when <laughs> staring at our iPhone every five minutes. Um, so the, the particular date it's, you do something on isn't going to matter so much to the kids. So a couple of things that, you know, I try to do throughout the holidays that really make the holidays special is, you know, you can take, uh, you know, the radio out and tune into Christmas carols any time of the year now with Pandora, you know, with Spotify. <laughs> and, and, you know, quite frankly, my daughter's six years old. She loves to sing to Christmas carols. And we did that one morning in September. And I was like, wow, this kind of brings a little holiday magic into September and getting ready for school. Um, 
you know, like there's things like Elf on the Shelf, and you know, maybe other families have their own traditions. But you know, Elf on the Shelf is what a I think a 24 or 30 day you know thing you do throughout the month of December. Um, you know, um, pictures with Santa, Christmas cookies. Those are all fun things that can be done throughout the the season. Don't have to be on a certain day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Pamela, any thoughts, on, any additional thoughts on this too? I'm really, you know, balancing your needs and the needs of the kids that you've yes. learned or experienced. Sure. I, and I, I would like to distinguish needs from wants. Wants are many ways to meet a need. So when I say what I'm about to say, which I hope doesn't sound controversial, it's because I'm making a distinction between what I need, what my kids needs, need, and what I want and what my kids may want. Now, the need that I have is to feel whole, to feel calm, to feel centered, and to feel like I have a sense of agency about what my life is, what I'm doing, where I'm going in life, and who I am as a woman and as a mother. I need to feel grounded and centered and focused in that. I know that my kids need to feel loved, to feel important, to feel secure and safe. And then the rest is just gravy, like, you know, sort of the wants. So the way I balance between what I need and what they need is that I've learned to do something every single day that I've been practicing for almost three years now. I practice a form of meditation in the morning and in the evening, two times a day, 20 minutes a day, uh, 20 minutes each time, so 40 minutes a day of transcendental meditation, which allows me to fulfill a need to be whole and to be centered, to be connected with my greater self. That I do before I meet one single solitary need that my kids have. I have learned that the hard way, and I just really want to hone this into the listeners, that I learned the hard way, and I hope they don't have to, that when I don't meet that fundamental need, I am a wreck. And that was evident the day I had a breakdown in my bathroom floor, on my bathroom floor, while my kids were outside of the bathroom, banging on the door, trying to figure out what was wrong with their super powerful, superwoman mother. So I learned that if I don't take care of myself, I am no good for meeting the needs of my kids. Now for the needs of my kids. As I said, they need to feel that, that they are loved, that they are cherished, that they are important, that they have attention. And I try to do that whether it is Christmas, Thanksgiving, or the 4th of July, so that when Thanksgiving and Christmas roll around, I'm not scrambling to, oh, how do I make them feel special? This is an important day. They've got to feel special. I try to spread that out over the year over the time that they are with me. So I can take more of a back seat, which I hope this doesn't sound contradictory to what I said earlier. I can take a bit of a back seat to, oh, my goodness, this is the holidays. I've got to have them. We've got to be together. It's, I have a little bit more calm about it because I think, I hope, 
Now, if they were on the phone, they may say something different, but they're not. So I <laughs> for them that I, um, I, I hope that the investment that I am making in their lives spreads across whether or not it's Christmas or Thanksgiving Day. And that when Thanksgiving and Christmas do come, whether I am with them or not, they still experience the sense of they are loved, they are the beloved, they are wonderful, and that mommy is so happy that they're in my life. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. No, and I love that idea of really, you know, it is, and it ties back to that idea is just a day, but really if we're doing what we're doing, we're, we're loving our kids, we're showing them that they're loved, that they're special, we're doing these things all the time, then it is easier to let go of the magnitude of the day and having that become the vehicle to show those things. Um, and then your point of taking care of yourself, which, you know, spans all the way through. And I want to take, <clears throat> I want to take something you said, there was a word that you used in there and I kind of latched onto it right away. I wrote it down as you were talking about it was the word of agency. And, you know, there's, it's very, very easy. And, and Neil, you alluded to this a little bit, like, Things can just take on a life at their own. It's holiday season. Well, this is what we're doing. And suddenly we find ourselves places. And certainly this can be any time of year, not just at holiday season. But in holiday season, we have not only that life can just be sweeping us away, you know, sweeping us along, but we also have like all this extended family, right? So we have grandparents and we might have aunts and uncles or cousins or all kinds of things who may also have wants and needs and things like that and traditions or what they feel would be good to have happen or not good to have happen. And this sense of agency, like what control do I have? You know, what's my intention here and how do I stay in front of my life to really be the architect of it can be really difficult when all those other forces start pouring in. So, you know, Neil, I know you've had some experience with this and Pamela, like you may have had some experiences too with people kind of with these notions of what they think should happen and what do you do with this extended family, extended family or friends who have their ideas about what they think you should be doing over the holidays. So Neil, how did that play out for you? Uh, for me? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, no, that's a, that's a good one. I had a, uh, uh, that's a good example I remember I shared earlier, and that was, um, I think it was the first year that I didn't have the kids on Christmas, but then when I got them on the 28th, you know, like I was saying, I get them at noon, and the plan then was I'd get them at my house, we would drive about an hour north to, uh, you know, to where my parents live, and we'd celebrate Christmas, I guess that afternoon, you know, opening presents and whatnot, and then have Christmas dinner that night. And it, it ended up just being a lot. We didn't get out of, we didn't get to leave my house as quick as possible. By the time we got up there, um, you know, some of us, maybe me, weren't in the best mood. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's not like waking up in the morning and opening presents. It was like, <laughs> I've gone through a stressful day. And because it is stressful, that kind of switch over. Um, it's, not, it's not traumatic by any means for the kids. It's, you know, easy for them, but I think there's a little stress always that mom and dad feel. Um, but it was a much different experience having gone through a stressful day and then all of a sudden put on your happy face and it's Christmas morning at four in the afternoon. And um, that experience I don't think turned out very well. Um, just, you know, some of us weren't in the best mood and you know, the kids were enjoying it, but there was, you know, it could have gone a lot better. And so the decision I made was the next year, or actually the, I guess in my case, Two years later, when that situation presented itself again, 
the decision that I made then was to say, okay, I'm going to get the kids at noon on the 28th, and it always ends up being a few hours later. And we're going to have a nice time and enjoy ourselves. And if we want to run out and go up, you know, mom and dad's then or to grandma and grandpa's then, then let's do it. But what we're going to, you know, what I told my parents, you know, the grandparents is we'll be up there the next morning early or we'll, you know, go up the night before, but we're not doing the Christmas thing until the next morning. And that actually, you know, was the most popular choice, but it was something that I felt that I needed really for me. And I knew that the kids would be fine. And this was all, there's a lot of show for the kids anyway. So I, you know, if they're fine with it anyway, I thought it was a good, good call. Um, so that's what we did and ended up being, uh, ended up being um, really a, be- a much better time. And so it was an adjustment for your parents and maybe you got a little pushback, but you ultimately said, you got to do what's good for us. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, and that's one of those you know, things you were talking about during the holidays is, is extended family and they're going to, you know, they have their own expectations and, their ideals on what's going to be perfect for them and what they'd like to do with the grandparent or with the grandkids, that is all fine and good. But there's, you know, as the parent, you know, the, we have the final say in that and not, we don't have to let it get out of control to where, you know, the kids are just being fed, fed sugar and getting gifts the whole time. And they're not really experiencing the holidays for maybe, you know, the values that you want to impart in them. Um, and then you're also getting very stressed out yourself. So it is good to learn how to, you know, just put up some fences and, and uh, tease them a bit, but also learn how to say no at the right time. Right. Pamela, I actually am going to ask you a different question. I'm looking at the time, and I want to make sure I guess we get to have some dialogue about this question too. But um, in terms of um, – I just lost my question <laughs> – <laughs> which has never really happened to me before on this, um, which has happened to me. So I'm going to flip to another question, and then I'll come back. Oh, um, yes, I'm going to flip to another question and then come back to that one. So I'm going to come back to this question about giving gifts because I want to squeeze this in before we do finish up the call in a little bit. Um, you know, any tips for people in terms of, you know, gift giving? Does anything change about that? You know, do mom and dad give gifts together? Do they give them separately when you used to give gifts to other family members? What's been your, not that there's one right answer, but what's been your experience about gift giving and things like that? Yes. Yeah, so what we've done since the divorce is what I do with my kids is that we buy gifts for their father and I help them with that uh, purchase. And we buy gifts for one another, and we buy gifts for family and friends. Uh, The gift-giving, though, I have tapered that down a bit because it can get rather extensive, and I've said, let's come up with something that's creative. So, for example, this year we're going to do a video parody of a Christmas song, and we're going to send that video out to lots of family and friends. This is my kids doing a parody to a Christmas song. We're going to videotape it, and they're going to have a great deal of fun, and that will be the gift. So we're going to give gifts to people, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of money on it, and I will probably most likely give a gift to their father. In fact, his uh, stocking stuffing is on my mantle to my fireplace. We bought that for him. So <laughs> we, we make sure that Daddy, and that's what I call him for my kids, Daddy is part of Christmas whether it's here at mommy's house or at daddy's house. So I I hope that's an answer to the the gift part of um, what we do with with the holidays. 
And it sounds like the two of you must have had some conversation about that. No. <laughs> no? So that just happened naturally for both of you? Wait, are you talking about the fa- their father and me? Yep, their father and you. Yep. And no, we didn't have a conversation about it. It's something that I initiated. And I think because of the, where it comes from in my heart, he follows suit. So wow. he, when I, when I show, and I think this is a really important point for all of the listeners, if you show up with an authentic heart, then the, somehow the laws of the universe just work in your favor, favor towards a calmer, better interaction and exchange between you and whomever you've had some conflict with. It's how I show up in the relationship. He is daddy. He has a stocking stuffing on the mantle. I will bring him a gift. And that is how I want my children to remember the relationship that divorced mommy and divorced daddy had with one another. They will not be scarred because I act up, which I can do. (laughs) I act ugly, which I can do. I have made a conscious decision to be an authentic, giving, loving woman when I'm with him. That's not 100% of the time, let me tell you. I'm not perfect, but I do strive with intention to show up correct. Mm, great. And, Neil, what do you guys do for, for gifts around that? You know, what's your tradition? Well, th- that actually is a, a great thing you said, Pam. That's um, one of the things to do during the holidays is spend the time uh, helping your kids pick out a gift for the other parent, you know, um, because it's, I think it just teaches a very important lesson to the kids. It, it shows a great side of yourself, and I think it, it's so generous of something you can give to your kids. Um, yeah. About the gifts particularly, um, we haven't had anything kind of, you know, dynamics where, you know, one's trying to outdo the other in terms of the gifts. Um, I'm certainly not trying to do that with the kids. I think sometimes the grandparents, you know, they, they tend to go all out um, on both sides. And it's like, well, the grandparents, I'll just kind of let them do that. But um, I certainly don't want the kids to think that, you know, Christmas is about getting gifts. <laughs> and, and, you know, with, I guess, with the situation they have now, they have, you know, really good support system on mom's side and also on my side. So they end up with a lot of gifts over the holidays. So one of the things I try to do, although it's somewhat of a losing battle, is I really try and tell my parents, hey, we don't need so many gifts. I mean, the kids get a lot of gifts. And, you know, I mean, we end up times where I've got to take stuff home in the vehicle, and I'm thinking, I don't know where I'm going to put this stuff, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, it might sound like a nice problem to have, and it is, but... You know, one thing to do is say, okay, kids, before Christmas, you know, let's go through and let's donate a bunch of stuff. And then let's go and make that donation. I think that helps show the kids that this season is about way more than what you get. You know, and and kids I know that are are young enough, if you start, you know, with the good messages like that, they'll carry that through the rest of their life. That's really what the focus about the gifts has been. It's not so much like... I always ask for an iPhone or an iPad and they're asking for, you know, Minecraft and things like that. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to entertain it. You're not getting that. Because I've seen you kids just, their brains turn so much. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, right. it's like, you know, an addict's going to its crack when, like, there's an iPhone there with a the game. 
I'm like, right. I don't want to see that under 10 years old. And so I just want to make add one comment on here because both of you are in situations where, you know, even in a divorced situation, both you and your child's other, your children's other parent, there seemed to be some level of commonness in the values that you had around some of these things. And some people are in a situation where one parent may, you know, shower the child with extravagant gifts. The other parent financially may be in a position not to do that or not even believe in it, but then can feel a little bit badly about, well, I can't give my children what the other parent can give them. And I just want to make a comment about that because there are people who are calling in who, you know, I expect either are or could be in that situation. And, you know, I think taking what Pamela and Neil have said, this idea of being who I authentically am because your children are not going to remember the gifts. Most of us don't remember like what we got for Christmas when we were eight years old or 10 years old or 15 years old. We do remember the values that our parents instilled in us. We do remember the special experiences or the traditions. And, you know, Pamela said something on this call when we were talking before about what are the memories I want them to have. So really remembering that, you know, gifts aren't actually what stay stored in the memory for the long time, but the experience the traditions and the love and the feeling is something that lasts forever. And so really deciding who you want to be and not allowing it to be so impacted by everybody else. Now, I want to have time for final reflections, but I want to ask, like, if you could each comment 30 seconds on this question. This is the one I forgot, but I remembered. And I know people on the call are wondering about it. You know, and it's a serious question, but so I'm sorry, I'm only going to give it a minute. But the question of you know, people ask, should we try to keep everything for the same for our kids on the holidays? Like if we always had X tradition and the, the whole four or five of us, three of us, whatever is, whatever number, always got together, should we do that even if we're now divorced or should we do that even if we're getting separated? Should we try to keep everything the same for kids? So I'm literally going to ask you for a quick response on that. Pamela, what's your thoughts? Should we try to keep everything the same? Is that what... Is that what yeah, I, like people who worry if it's a holiday season, should we, and we've always had this tradition as a family before, even if we're separated or divorced now, should we try to recreate or replicate the, um, the, what we had, the tradition that we had before for the kids' sake? Yeah, so if that tradition, my opinion is that that tradition is no longer working, it's time to create something new, and new can be wonderful. New can be beautiful. It all depends on the spirit with which you bring the newness in. If it's, oh, God, it's got to be changed, then your kids are going to get, oh, God, it's got to be changed. No, we don't want change. It is, look, we're going to do this different this year, and look at the fun we're going to have. Then the kids will typically flow with that depending on the disposition you bring. And that's what I always try to stay connected to. What is my intention and what is my disposition? Because that is what my kids will remember from this point forward. All right, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to um, let that ride out here. And so, Pamela, in these final couple minutes, I'm going to ask each of you to share a final thought. And I'm hoping for your final thought here, you will share with us a little bit about Muddy High Heels. So will you tell us a little bit about this new book? Because somebody who's on the call today is going to get a copy of this as a holiday gift from us. So tell us about Muddy High Heels. Muddy High Heels is 14 lessons learned from my breakdown, breakup, and breakthrough. It is 14 stories of some difficult, challenging lessons I learned, how those lessons were applied for me to have a better, richer life, 
and then gives the reader an opportunity for her or him to reflect on what those lessons could mean and how they could apply in one's own life. This is a book for every woman who wants to know how to move out of the suffering of her life into a beautiful life that awaits her. These are 14 steps or tools or lessons for her. And I wrote this uh, years, finally culminated in finishing it, and I'm really excited to share the journey with all those who are interested in learning about it for their own sake. And how could people find it if they want to find it? Yes, so it's a limited edition right now, so the best way is to contact me via my website so that um, I can offer it on a limited scale until I officially launch the book, which will be at the end of December. So they can wait till the end of December, or they can, oh, I want an edition, limited edition right now. Either way, they can contact me on the website, which is, do I, do I share that or do I not share Yes, that? go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay, D as in Destin, F as in for greatness.com, dfgreatness.com. Great. Thank you. And, Neil, let me give you the opportunity to share just like a final word or reflection or something you'd like to leave people with here. Well, um, thank you. So it, it's I'll make it short, but it's the holidays. Enjoy yourself. You know, we've been talking about mm-hmm. how to avoid, avoid, avoid problems, but it's the holidays. You know, teach your children a good message, have fun, drink a little more wine, and uh, go <laughs> <both> alone. Fabulous. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Divorce Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Sharon Pastore, or my partner, Chris Pastore, at MyHealthyDivorce.com. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters.